Hello everyone, it is again your dear friend and family and lover, Sasu Momer. I hope everyone is having a lovely life. Welcome to the podcast and painting vlog, I guess that's what it is now. Um, I didn't record an episode last week because I began working on a store which hopefully I will have open for you all on the first with a newsletter and possibly a blog but I make no promises because I've learned to stop making promises um, today is a special day because today is my dear mother's birthday and for those of you who don't know um, I haven't spoken to my mother in a number of years now which um, is a source of great pain for me but also serves as a source of great release um, because my mother's going through something and has been going through things over the course of her life, um, as we all are. And I got to the point where I didn't know how to hold space for what my mom was dealing with and with what she's probably still dealing with now. Um, and I tried for a really long time tried lots of things. I tried to make it my work to save her, um, to change myself, to make it so that things between us would be better, especially once I had Wyo. Um, but I exhausted all of my best efforts and I wasn't able to find a way of behaving myself that allowed us the safe space that we need because a large part of the safe space we need revolves around my mom being able to commit certain thoughts and speech and other acts um, and there's only so much I can do as an individual <clears throat> so I chose after the last really frustrating experience with my mother where I felt unsafe and I worried about my baby's safety to just make things really simple on all of us and step back from the relationship. It's been really hard. Um, I think honestly that it's something that I talk about a lot so that I don't bury it and forget the truth of the matter or let it ever get too far away from my heart um, that it's something that I did not out of spite um, but out of an urge to protect myself and also to protect her because when I would get extremely frustrated with her and even with myself and my ability to manage my relationship with her um, I would bug out completely and as frustrating as she can be she deserves my patience 
and I feel that if I no longer have patience to offer a person, I need to stay away from that person in order to protect them from the worst in me. Um, with that said, um, I miss my mom all the time. I think about her all the time. Sometimes I smell her, you know, sometimes just sitting in certain settings, certain kinds of weather will make me really feel her energy, um, feel her presence. And um, I've come to really enjoy that feeling of my mother's presence in me because it's something that I felt long before we before I stopped speaking to her, before we became estranged by my choice. Um, and I always trusted that feeling in me when I would feel my mother's proximity. Um, especially if I hadn't talked to her in a while, I would enjoy it. She, <coughs> often as a child, would tell me that we're both telepathic and that, you know, if she ever needed anything for me, sorry, if I never, ever needed anything from her, and I couldn't get in touch with her, but I could speak to her through my heart, I could think about her deeply, and she would, she would feel me there, and I always believed it, I always felt that there was some sort of otherworldly connection that existed between my mom, I always enjoyed that feeling, um, and I take it upon myself regularly just to talk to her and to let her know that I love her so much and to really beg her to take care of herself until I get to see her again because I want so badly to see her again. Um, so, I got some flowers. Um, these are for my mom and for me for her birthday and I decided to make a painting today um, for my mother. She loves big cats, leopards, tigers, lions. I chose a panther because she also loves the color black. Um, and panthers are black, not too big of a leap there. And situated my panther in the middle of the moon just because why not and um, I've gathered some images that I found from Pinterest to help me feel inspired about the details I put our panther at the beach because my mother often took me to the beach when I was a child. We would go there on the weekends and lay out in the sun. Sometimes we would ride our bikes down Venice Boulevard in West LA all the way from our apartment to the beach. We'd get there super early in the morning and we'd stay um, until it was dark and then we'd ride our bikes all the way home. The bike ride itself took like an hour. It was no, no short ride, but my mother was always very active in my youth. She jogged and I would ride my bike behind her, ride circles around her. I would be tired on my bike before my mother would get tired of running on foot. 
she did Buns of Steel and Jane Fonda and other workout videos and she had a thigh master and you know she was concerned with her appearance and maintaining her beauty and having a nice figure um, sometimes problematically so I have her to thank for a lot of my not so great eating habits and my not so great thoughts about my body but my mother is um, of her environment and was raised in this misogynistic, misogynoiristic, um, anti-black world um, that despised her in her womanhood and in her blackness and then despised her extra um, because my mom was extremely beautiful she dealt with a lot of jealousy all through her life, both from people who were supposed to be her loved ones um, and others. Um, and when I cite my mother's more problematic traits, <coughs> I always like to include a sort of prelude or an aside that says that all the ways that my mother is, I very deeply understand as much as I can being still outside of her experience. Because as much as I can say that Wyo knows me in a way that nobody else knows me and better in some ways of speaking than anybody else knows me, I knew my mother that way. I still to this day know my mother that way. If you told me that I was gonna meet my mother tomorrow at a restaurant, um, I would know what to order for her. I always will. I, I can tell when I'm listening to something or watching something that my mother would enjoy. I know her tastes. Um, I know her heart really well. I know that she's longing for me and for her grandchild. And that's part of the reason I wanted to make this podcast today for her because I also know my mother is someone who doubts that she is loved in the world. Um, and I don't mean to say just by me or by anyone in particular, but in general, um, I think it's a part of her pathology to feel unaccepted and to feel that the love that is around her is unconditional, which is part of the way she does some of the more, or part of the reason she does some of the more problematic things she does and has done. <clears throat> so I get it, Mom. If you can hear me, I know you can feel me. I don't worry too much about you ever physically listening to this because I know that the energy of it will touch your heart. Um, but I say it not only for my mother, who could possibly be listening or might one day listen, but also for all, all of the energies out there that exist like that and all of the people who have situations similar to the one that I have with my mom um, and it's really painful to love someone who is in pain regardless of what that pain is if they're dying of cancer if they're messed up because they went to war and saw something that broke their heart um, it's hard to stay close and love that person and while I have not in the recent past been able to stay close and love my mother um, she deserves that love, um, and I always hope that she's getting it, I always hope that she's eating well, and having fun, despite all else. Um, right, so I put, I put this panther at a beach, 
because my mom loves the beach and I love the beach as a result of all the time I spent with my mom. Um, and we lived in the car a number of times when I was a younger person over the course of my childhood. And she would get really emotional about those times when we were in a place where living in a car was necessary or at least made it more easier, made it easier for her to function and taking care of us both. And, um, you know, I was a kid when you're a child, it takes a while to notice if you're knee deep in, knee, knee deep in shit because um, you're used to that shit, you know, and it doesn't occur to you that it could be another way or if you think about it being another way that feels like a, a distant thing. Um, you know, I knew that there were people who lived, quote, better than we did, um, but I appreciated my mother so much and I loved being with her so much that it was kind of no big deal, you know, we're going through some shit, whatever it happens. Um, whereas there would be times when she would get really in her feels about it, you know, and we'd be about to fall asleep, um, in the backseat of the car with the, um, seat pulled down so that, like, our legs were halfway into the trunk and, you know, she would just start crying and she would tell me how sorry she was and, um, she would tell me that she was going to get us out of this, you know, I'm going to find a way and I'm going to get us an apartment and so on and so forth. And then she would say to me, one day this is all going to be a blur. That was always my favorite line of hers, that one day we would be so changed from the life that we were living at that time that memories of it would become blurry to us, that we wouldn't even be able to fully recall. And I enjoyed imagining us in that way, getting to a point where we were doing so well that the painful things were no longer even willing spe worth um, speaking about because we transcended them. And I will say that as of now, none of that shit is blurry. It is all still very bright <laughs> in my mind. Um, and when it has become blurred, I, I think that's just because I'm getting old. <laughs> um, but I hold her words in my mind a lot. And I feel that what she called out for us, that our pains would be too blurry to even really fully realize. Um, I don't know if that's all the way possible for me, but I feel that it could and it might be possible for my child and for future children that I absolutely intend and I'm working very hard to be able to have. Um, I feel that with a certain amount of success and a certain amount of time and the things that I'm trying to work out for us, we might get to the point where I say, why or do you remember when we were in this situation or that situation on our way to getting our own place? And he'll say, I don't know. And it'll be kind of a blur for him and I'll have to remind him, do you remember when mom used to be really stressed out and tired all the time and have to always say no over and over when you were asking for something? And he might get to the point where he's like, yeah, sort of, because you always ask me this question and tell me these stories, but not really. And <clears throat> I feel that that would be a really lovely thing for the obvious reason of, you know, it would be what my mother was hoping for for us. Um, an answer to that prayer that 
she had. Um, so when I get to the point of painting the sands on this beach, I will be making the sands black sand beaches. Or I will be making the sands of the beach black sand because um, that was always what my mother would talk about. She wanted to get on a private jet and fly to some place that had black sand beaches. And I remember at one point in my youth doing research about what kind of places have black sand. Um, because when she first told me that, I thought that was just some wacky thing my mom made up. Um, and then I saw in a photograph um, a place where the, the beach was this beautiful crystalline black color. And I googled it, and it turns out that black sand beaches are the result of an abundance of volcanic ash, which of course makes sense, and um, also just kind of gives a beautiful reason for the sands to be black, um, and a volcano exploded here, that's kind of cool. So yeah, I'm going to make these sands black, and let's see, I just checked and I've already forgotten. We are almost 20 minutes into the podcast. I don't know that I'll be able to finish the painting of this entirely by the time I finish the talking part, but I'm going to get out as much as I can. Um, so just a little bit about the painting, and my apologies to people who are only listening, because of course you can't see what I'm talking about, but bear with me, it won't take too long. Um, I've selected some inspo images from Pinterest <coughs> and I will put in the Patreon post that accompanies this when I put the link up for my patrons I will put a link to the artwork that I use um, as the basis for my layout and my approach to the line drawings um, I remember when I was first learning art in high school, first getting exposed to an art studio and all that other kind of thing. Big emphasis on painting from life. Super important. You're not allowed to put things in your portfolio that are drawn from photographs and blah blah. You have to learn to paint what you see. Um, and I'm not wholly turned off on, by that as an approach. It's just that, um, you know, I look around the room. I'm not necessarily one of those artists who has learned how to draw anything into good-looking art. I want to draw a particular thing. Sometimes I want to draw people when I'm alone, for instance. Um, so most of the figure drawing I did when I wasn't in school was images from magazines. And I was always really happy with the result that came maybe by looking at it you can tell that I wasn't working with a live model but I don't really care what you can tell about my artwork you know I just like making it and hopefully somebody will enjoy it so um, I draw from life sometimes and I do have it as a goal to do more of it because I do think that it strengthens my eye and my hand um, and helps me empower myself to be able to draw what I want to draw but I don't have it as a prerequisite for myself and the idea of making good art. Um, I think that's um, bullshit. I'll just come out and say it. I think that there is something to be said for people who draw really well from life. 
Um, but I think there's also something to be said, obviously, for people who use other images and other art to inspire themselves, because ultimately there is no such thing as an artist who isn't inspired by other artists. Um, <clears throat> so, right, I have these images that I've used um, as the inspiration for the image, and I think I said all of that, that I will be posting them to Patreon so that anybody who is interested to see where I start um, with the paintings can find that there. Excuse me. So I decided when I picked the topic for this podcast that after my little intro about my mom, I would tell you some of my favorite things about her because it's her birthday. Um, oh, I meant to do the math on this already. So I apologize for being that person who's really bad at numbers, but I don't know how old my mother is. Okay, she's 63. And how old am I? 38. Okay, so my mom's 63 this year. Happy birthday, mom. I love you so much. And one of my favorite things about you... Oh, I'm trying to think of which one it is. So many things. So my mom is a spectacular storyteller. Mom, you are one of the most amazing storytellers I have ever met in my life. You tell the best stories, even if I have heard the story a million times, and most of the time I have, because I've known you for my whole life. I'm always excited to hear the story again. Um, one of the other things I really like about you, Mom, is that you do things you aren't supposed to do. You showed me from a very young age that I could get away doing things I wasn't supposed to do if I did it with the right demeanor, with the right approach, with the right behavior to accompany it. <coughs> and that's something that I've used over and over in this life to protect myself and to make a way for my child. And ultimately, I hope to make it so that you and I can be close to one another again. Um, so I want to always thank you for your ingenuity and your bravery and your willingness to step outside of ethical and moral lines for the sake of protecting yourself in a world that is seldom as ethical and moral as we'd like to think ourselves as civilized beings. What else do I really love about my mom? Her mom's really smart. My mom's one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life, and she's smart in that interesting way where if you call her and you say, oh, mama had this problem, right? Her solution, you know, might not always be anything that you're ready, willing, or able to do, but it's always going to be really crafty and precise. I was telling my life coach about this. My mom would always tell me, you know, you don't say to somebody, oh, your breath is really bad, you should chew some gum, because that's going to hurt the person's feelings, and it's going to make them resistant to the help that they probably really need. If you want to let someone know that their breath is kicking, say something more like, oh my god, I had onions for lunch, my breath must be so hot right now, I'm going to have a piece of gum, would you like one too? Um... One time my mom was good, 
she was good at knowing how to say things in a way where she could get the result that she wanted. Um, and she didn't teach it to me with her words, you know, with saying this is a behavior that is seductive, you know, and that will win people over to you. But she taught me just by doing it, just by being that way. Um, sending flowers to people. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other cute stuff she did. Like when she was having trouble at my school with my teachers, she would win over like the secretary that worked in the main office by sending donuts. Um, she's charming and she knows how to use various devices to get her needs met and high key some of those devices she loses are hella problematic and not really the devices you should be using on say for instance your child but even then they were teaching you know even as things that ultimately came to make it so that it was hard for me to trust her and a parent-child relationship she taught me ways of being that are powerful um and engaging with any other kind of person or party. She taught me how to flex. She taught me how to talk to people so that they would give me what I wanted even if I wasn't necessarily at the same level of power as theirs. Um, you know, I watched a TV show recently where like the daughter of a mom was having trouble because she had already passed the class at school and she wanted to be put in a higher level because she was black, because she was new, the uh, academic advisor, whatever that person's role is called, was like, oh, you're not going to be able to keep up with our kids. Our program is super tough. Just stay where you are. And I remember watching the show and seeing this young character, you know, sit through a humiliating experience of having someone doubt her abilities instead of just doing the obvious and giving her a placement test. Hello. Um, the classism, the racism, the misogyny, and all that other kind of stuff. And I felt very deeply for her because she was a young black woman. <clears throat> then I also felt very deeply for her because why? Where is her mom? Why is her mom not doing it? Why is she meeting with this guy by her side? I never met with Pete. I would go home and I would say, Mom, I'm bored. This class is not doing it for me. I need to be in a harder math class. And by the end of the week, I would be in the math class I wanted. My mom would make phone calls. There were no emails back then. I'm sure she would have sent emails. She would send a fax. She would go to her job and send a fax. You need to be taking care of my daughter. I am a taxpayer. Jessica is a genius. You know, and she would do her whole bit um, for whatever I wanted. And I never had to concern myself with that sort of thing. I was exposed to a lot of adult stuff at a very young age, but there's an aspect of it that my mother very well protected me from. Um, and she was always, always, always on my side. If she got a call from the school um, saying that I had done something or there was a problem or whatever, by the time she got there, she was already pissed um, and not at me, always at the, the school. Jessica's being problematic, you're not engaging her. <laughs> if she has time to do these things that you claim she's done, then that means you aren't doing enough as teachers. Like, she was so hardcore. Um, and it was nice to have somebody who was really hardcore like that. 
I remember, you know, I'd go to the principal's office or whatever, and they'd say, we're going to call your mom, and I'd be happy. Call her. Please call her. Please call my mom and tell her to drive 40 minutes from her job. Please take money out of my mom's pocket to have her come to this school. Because now, not only have you fucked with her child, who she adores, but you fucked with her pocket, which she adores almost as much as she loves her child. (laughs) So by the time my mom would get to the school, I would be joyous, because I knew I was about to win. And I always did. Um, You know, all the things, right? All the things. Oh, mom, you dated that alcoholic for such a long time. Oh, mom, you would say things that made me feel so ugly and unsafe. Oh, mom, you told me so many things that weren't true and that really broke my heart. But damn, mom, you were always, always, always in my corner. When it came time for us to fight, we fought from the same side. And that's something... I've always, always appreciated about my mom because now I have her voice in my head, you know, telling me that I deserve to be myself, telling me that if I'm doing fresh shit, it's because I'm not stimulated enough, you know, whatever, telling me all the cute stuff she used to say when I was a kid dealing with my life. Um, so yeah, that's a thing I like about my mom. Another thing I really like about my mom, which I haven't been able to see in a really long time and it hurts is seeing her with my baby. Um, I was about willing to deal with the turmoil of being close to a parent who has mental health issues that are not being acknowledged or treated or addressed in any way. Dealing with all the unresolved anger and sadness between us, dealing with all the trauma, etc., I was about ready to take all that work on just to be able to continue seeing my mom and my son be together because when you talk about love, um, I love my baby, you know, um, and I have never seen anybody else love him the way my mom loves him. I am going to do my best to not cry, but I'm not making any promises. Um, She called him her poopsie. And for the time that she was in his life, anytime she came near and called his name, he would just start screaming, Mother, dear! And I'd hear, Poopsie, where's my poopsie? And he would just be bugging out completely. He was so excited to go with her there was never an ounce of stranger danger there was never any clinging to me mother dear would show up this boy would lose all interest in mom entirely run off to his grandmother and just be in heaven just in bliss just smiling and living his best life all the food i couldn't get my child to eat i'd leave the room and come back 20 minutes later and he'd be having it with mother dear um They would have little conversations. My mother started carrying around a notebook. She said that she had intentions of being a rapper. And she, I'm sorry, it's still really funny to me because she was dead ass serious. There was no comedy whatsoever when she said that. Um, And she wrote some rhymes for my child. Um, I can't remember all of the lines from the song or exactly how it went, 
but the gist of it was something along the lines of um, I used to be a fan of chocolate and then I met my vanilla baby. Um, we're just going to put aside any conversations about colorism and all that kind of stuff um, because it was really too cute. Um, she loves Wild. She loves Wild. She loves Wild so much. I hope that I get to be a grandparent one day so that I can sort of begin to understand exactly how much she loves Wild because I know that she loves him in a way that is special and distinct even from the way that I love him. I love him so much, but it's much different when your child has a child. And I will never pretend to have any grasp of what that love is. And I would never diminish it because I've seen both from my relationship with my grandmother to my mother's relationship with her grandmother and the little bit of time I saw with Wyo and my mom that it can be a really special bond that has so much more forgiveness and understanding that passes between the two than the parent-child relationship because there is that proximity um, but also a built-in distance. There's going to be a larger age difference and grandparents get to feel responsible for their grandchildren you know, biologically, without so much feeling responsible for them emotionally in terms of feeling guilty about the way that things turn out. And I'm being general, obviously there are going to be, you know, things that vary from what I'm saying. But also I think when you're dealing with a grandchild, you've already gone through so much of the guilt that parents experience. And um, I would hope to accept, you know, the choices that you made that led to the choices that your children made, etc., etc. It's harder um, between parent and child, I think, to come to that sort of peace that people are able to have with their grandchildren. Um, I would say even that more than I miss my own mom for myself, um, I miss her for my son. I will present a situation that is not likely to happen, not likely to happen, but it's possible. You know, let's say the genie in the bottle came down and said, you know, I'll give you your mom, but only for your child. You don't get to have her for yourself. I would say okay to that. That would be fine for me because I want her for him, you know, more than I want her for myself. She already really blessed me and um, left a lot of strength in me, a lot of power, a lot of creativity, a lot of desire for joy. Um, I already got it, and I just want my son to be able to experience it straight from the source. So, yes, for the way she loves my son, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things. Well. Part of the reason I chose the bird of paradise is to get into like the really hilarious stuff. So birds of paradise are pretty common um, in the area where I grew up in Los Angeles and Southern California area. And um, so my mom would probably never self-describe this way, but my mom is a thief. 
um, and she told me, you know, she confessed to me when I was a child that she went through periods of stealing stuff, um, but then, you know, she got caught, and she didn't, she didn't want to take the risk anymore, but when we would go through hard times, she would come home with one of those, like, industrial-sized rolls of toilet paper, um, and that would be our toilet paper, um, if she worked in an office when it came time for me to get school supplies we would get as many things as possible from my checklist from the place where she worked um i had forgotten what i was gonna say next why did i bring that up oh right because we're talking about birds of paradise so often enough you know my mom and i would be driving through la and my mom's a big driver. She's a real Los Angelina in the sense that she has no problem driving like three hours to go to lunch with somebody or like having a two hour commute every day. She would take temp jobs, you know, so if she had to drive for a couple of hours every day for a few months, that was no big deal because then she might get like two weeks or a month off in between the end of that job and the next gig. So we'd be driving around and then she'd be like, oh, wait. And she stopped the car and pulled over because someone had put out, like, a nice piece of furniture. And she would pick it up. And that's not stealing, of course. She was picking up things that folks had gotten rid of. And she'd take it home and sand it down and paint it. And it would be mine or hers or whatever. But my mom would also, like, stop randomly while we were driving and just, like, break off a huge piece of a plant. And I'm not talking about, like, a small plant. Like, she would break off, like a trunk of a plant that was thicker around than her wrist and you know would take it home and cut it nicely and stick it in water and in a few months we'd have this gigantic beautiful tropical plant just kind of like growing in her bedroom <laughs> um, so I remember this one particular time we were driving and we passed this apartment complex that had these really nice birds of paradise plants um, growing out front and she was like, I wonder if I could get those to grow indoors. And I was like, huh? And by the time I turned to look at her, she was out of the car and like fighting with this thick branch of plant. And she was able to break it off and take it home. And she had success in getting it to grow. And one of those, I think they're like two and a half gallon or five gallon water jugs that would go on top of the water coolers. Um, she stuck stuck the plant in there and it grew beautifully. So we had bird of paradise plant growing like in my mom's bedroom. Um, people would always be really impressed when they would come by and see this. And I don't remember what she said to people if they would ever ask her like where she got it. She'd never confess that she just like ripped it out of the bush in front of somebody's apartment building. But, like I said, my mom was 100% willing to step out of, like, moral or ethical boundaries in order to, like, make our house beautiful. And I think, I think she understood it as, like, a form of reparations. You know, the situations that we were in weren't entirely fair. And it would have made the most sense for my mom to have much more help raising me and taking care of me than she did. Um, so, you know, she found ways to supply what was missing from our lives when we went to the movie theater we would go for the first showing whatever the first screening was usually at like 11 o'clock in the morning and we would stay till 9 p.m and we would watch every movie that was playing in that theater and 
my mom was unapologetic about it and she would explain it to me because i'd be all nervous like walking through the halls like oh my god what if somebody sees what if we get in trouble and she would explain it these people that work here they get paid next to nothing and they get paid whether or not we pay for each movie they see they don't care about us um <laughs> you know and because of that I got to see all the movies, you know, with my mom. She would take me out of school for a day and take me to the movie theater and we would go see every movie that was playing. Um, and it was beautiful that way. And I'll finish by saying that my last favorite thing about my mom is her taste. Her taste in clothing, um, her taste in music, her taste in movies. Um, my mom has always been eclectic and varied. She listens to world music. She was one of the only parents and older people I knew when I was a kid who loved hip hop. Um, all the kids at my school thought my mom was so freaking cool because she would show up to pick me up, like blasting Dr. Dre. Um, <laughs> she showed me all of her favorite movies a lot of which are still my favorite movies to this day. Um, for instance, Orfeo Negro, uh, Black Orpheus. I remember we checked that movie out from the library and I became obsessed with Brazil and Portuguese. I've wanted to learn to speak Brazilian Portuguese since I was eight years old because that was the first time I'd had ever seen black people living someplace that wasn't African speaking a language that wasn't an African language. I didn't know that was a thing. And um, I think my mother did a really good job of exposing me to things that my demographic would not have exposed me to otherwise. You didn't meet a lot of children, black children, um, children living in one income, income home with a single parent who listened to Vivaldi the way that I did. Why did I listen to Vivaldi? Because my mom liked to buy the winter holiday sale, whatever they had going on at Victoria's Secret. She would get herself some stuff, and then if it came with a goodie bag, she'd give the goodie bag to me. And she'd always done that. When she bought Estee Lauder um, makeup and perfume, they would give her a cute bag with under eye cream, and a cute comb that I could never run through my hair, but I wanted to have anyway. You know, they put it in a cute little pouch. And that was mine. I would have, you know, um, a vitamin C serum <laughs> and an overnight lip mask when I was eight years old and an Estee Lauder bag that I would take to school and show off, of course. And I would take it with me to my Nana's house and to my father's house and my stepmother and my grandmother would complain that my mother was making me grow up too fast by quote for forcing me to wear makeup and all this other kind of you know people were always talking shit about the stuff that my mom let me do and encouraged me to do and allowed me to do um and like i said there were problems there was pain there was hurt i saw so many things i really didn't need to see at that age but i also got to put my night serum on every night <laughs> And my mother always took me seriously when I would say I had like bags under my eyes or something and I needed a mask. And um, I got to see all the dopest movies. Um, so many of my artistic urges and passions 
are directly related to media that my mom showed me. I watched Il Postino with my mom in the theaters when I was 11 years old, and that was when I decided firmly that I wanted to be a poet. Um, a few years later, I saw the movie Basquiat with Jeffrey Wright, and on seeing Basquiat's work for the first time, I realized, wow, you can make you can make art that's ugly and scary, and it still counts as something, and you can be black, and you can be famous all over the world for your art. I didn't know that was a thing at that point, um, <clears throat> or before, before, you know, coming to know of Jean-Michel, and it's not something I talk about a ton now, mostly because Jean-Michel is like, everybody loves Basquiat, right? Like, he's such a, a figure, um, and I'm sure there are people who are like, oh, he's overrated, I don't get the appeal, whatever, but by and large, if you come out and say you're a Basquiat fan, there aren't going to be a ton of people, especially in the post-Afro-punk, you know, young black radical set, he's a bit of a hero, so I don't feel like I need to talk too much about him, because everybody else does, but... Jean-Michel was my dude when I was a kid. I would think about him all the time. I would uh, pray that we were somehow related. I would imagine that he was the older brother that I always wanted. I would imagine that he was with me somehow in the spirit when I painted. You know, and I would paint for him and to him. And I would just kind of ask him to grace my work. Um, and I remember even being happy that I was an unknown and that I was living in poverty and I was having all these painful experiences because I felt like the life that I was living was protecting me from a life like Jean-Michel's where I became really well-known and really famous and it ended up working against me in certain ways. Um, anyway, I found Jean-Michel because of my mom, because my mom was always ready, willing, and able to show me the world and always took the advantage, took advantage of the opportunity to show me the most beautiful things that she could find out in the world. And when I told her I wanted to be a painter, she's one of the only people that wholly supported it. Uh, when I told my dad I wanted to be a painter, I could tell that he was like depressed and let down. <laughs> and his response to me saying that I wanted to be an artist was always, well, how are you going to take care of yourself? You know, with the implication being you're not going to be good enough to make enough money to live off of your art and you know that lack of faith hurt um, especially when I compared it to what I got from my mom which was unrelenting faith um, it was hard for me because my mom is someone who loves money and she would always you know want me to sell I, I want you to sell you should have a store you should be getting paid blah 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 and it's hard for me even now to think of my work as having value and to focus my interests on wanting to make money because money is even more make-believe than gender and so problematic. Um, my mom always wanted to be my momager. Um, she and my father had had a business selling art prints made by black artists, um, Ernie Barnes among them. She, uh, Burnett Honeywood and a few others were their favorites. And, you know, she would tell me that her experience in working and selling prints is that she saw that artists were very seldom also good at business. 
And she said that the best artists were the ones who didn't have to worry about the money stuff and can just concern themselves with making their art. And, you know, she was, she was going to be my manager so that I could just lock myself in my room and paint and she could worry about everything else. Um, and who knows, maybe she still will be one day. I feel like she'd be a really good art broker. Um, I'd love to start getting my work into, like, hotels, office buildings, and, like, condo sets and stuff like that. It's a great way to move art is to sell it to someone corporate and let them buy 50 prints and put them up across the country or even across the world and I feel like that would be a great job for my mom because she's really good at selling me she does great PR when it comes to her one and only Gucci Angel which is me by the way Um, when we lived in Korea she had custom made Gucci clothing made for me um, because you could get all that stuff really cheap in Korea And they all had my name sewn in the tags. And I remember her taking me to get measured. Um, You know, I have no doubt that if my mother were rich, she would have had me in furs and silk and diamonds and stuff like that when I was a kid. The way you see, like, um, the the Black Nouveau Reach just really going hard, decking their kids out and stuff. That's completely unnecessary. But they do that for their kids. Um... Well, I don't know what their reasons are for doing it for their kids, but my mom wanted me to feel as if it should be expected that I would have nice things. And even when we lived in the car, I told her I wanted to have Doc Martens, and I figured I'd never be able to get them because they were $120 shoes, but she got them for me. And we lived in the car, and that sucked, but I had my fucking Doc Martens, and that was awesome. And it didn't make up for living in the car but I came to understand that you could do both that you could enjoy you know what you have be grateful for it be aware of your circumstances and also be aware that you're worth more and have little things like a nice pair of shoes to remind you that you're working towards something black sand beaches and the place in life where the more painful memories um become almost too blurry to fully hold so with that said I've got a decent start to this piece Um, I have the approach of doing my dark colors first that way if I make any mistakes I can blend them into some of my lighter colors later I have done the low lights for my panther and I'm still in the process of putting some low lights of the same shade into my my stylized ocean waves here. But I don't want to stay up too late tonight because I have Korean first thing in the morning. And I've been in this Korean class for going on six weeks now. And yesterday was the first time I <laughs> completed any of the homework assignments. So I'm trying to catch up, um, do more of the things that I love every day, do more of the things that will help get me to the places that I really want to go. I've been painting a lot almost every day, and I'm really proud of myself for that. Um, I'm adding Korean in. I'm going to make Friday is the podcast day so far. Saturday is going to be the Korean day, and I think I'm going to start going back to this one lecture that I had been going to um, via Zoom digitally. Um, 
on the Quran because I feel like I haven't been acknowledging my spirit or my love of Islam as deeply as I would like to recently. So I want to pick one class that focuses on studying the Quran and then one day to do some independent study since I know how to read Quranic Arabic now I need to practice so that I can get fast enough at reading it to actually read from the Quran when I practice my recitation because right now I read so slowly it's like painful like um, being a beginner hurts my ego and having to really drag myself through was painful so I stopped but I need to get over that and get back into it because reciting from the Quran brings me so much peace and I still have it as a goal to memorize the Quran and be someone who recites for the queer Ummah. So I have a duty to my people um, to get back into my studies. But I wanted to get really solid about this podcast. Um, and then I had the urge to paint. So I'm letting those be primary for now. Um, Right, and as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm doing my best to have this store opened ASAP and hopefully by the 1st of June um, so that I can sell all of my old work, um, which I've been really excited going through, um, falling in love with it again, taking pictures to load it into the store. Um, And I'm not going to say too much more. It's almost an hour now, and that's about how long I like to go. And that's coming from me who intended to make my podcast like 20 minutes long per episode, but I should have known better um, when I set those intentions. So thank you so much for being here with me in my podcast, with me in your ear. Um, I always appreciate the presence and um, that's it. That's it. Happy birthday to my mom. Dear sweet mother, happy birthday to you. I love you so much. I'm excited to finish this painting that is dedicated to you with the Black Panther for you and deep waves for you and birds of paradise for you. And I'll be filling this beach up with black sand for you, my mom, because I love you so much. And have to be honest, I asked my baby if he remembers you and he said no. And I don't like that. I want you to know that I remind him that you love him so much and that I love you so much and that I know you love us both and that I'm so grateful to be your daughter. And I'm so sorry for where it hurts, Mom. And I love you, and I love you, and I love you, and I just hope you forgive me for the space I needed to take for myself to get healthy. And I'm really excited to make you proud while I'm still in my body. And I pray that you stay in your body long enough for me to find you and hold you and tell you everything that I haven't told you in all these years since I've spoken to you. So... Happy Gemini season to everyone. Happy birthday to my mom. Um, A shout out to my uncle Carrie, who's also Gemini and who I also miss very much, but I know I won't be seeing him again in this life because he's left his body and God bless him for that because his body was tired. Oh, 
I managed to not cry until the end. I did a good job. <laughs> all right. I'll catch you all next week. Stay blessed.